Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. It is good to have you. Thanks for joining us. And we're here with drinks and glass ready to kick on off. As always, I am Jay from WhiskeyRaiders.com, joined by my good friend, John Henderson of TheBourbonFinder.com. We're coming up on the holiday season, which means we have plenty of drinking to do if relatives are anywhere within arm's reach. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. You make a very good point that we are right upon the holidays Whatever it is you're celebrating, I'm sure there is something that needs to be in that glass. I'm hoping that we can help you out with that. Jay, let's get into like, what are the finer points of that? Yeah, definitely. We've got kind of a packed episode. It'll be a little bit shorter tonight, but never fear. We've got some longer ones in the chamber. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking about a brand new whiskey that has just come across our desk here. This is a Penelope, but it's called Valencia. Kind of an interesting when you think Valencia, you think oranges. We'll talk about why that's important to a bourbon brand in a little bit. We're diving into the holidays this week. As you guys know, Thanksgiving is coming up. It's right around the corner. It may have just passed by the time you are listening to this podcast episode. Uh, John and I both relish in Thanksgiving. I know, I don't know if it's your favorite, but I both know that you and I, you know, we like to throw on the apron and spend a day in the kitchen and I know you're like me. We have a couple of drinks throughout the day if we're being conservative. So we'll chat about that and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll kind of see where the episode takes us. What do you think? Yeah, I'm excited about it, man. Let's get into a, a little bit of a review and then maybe we just see what happens with some holiday discussion. Yeah, we'll see where the, where the, where the turkey gobbles. So tonight we're talking first and foremost about Penelope uh, Valencia. This is uh, kind of cool if you guys are watching a video. I've got the bottle up here in front of the camera. Really stunning bottle. Got some etching. Uh, but most importantly, it it's kind of funny because I love the graphic, but it's a little suggestive if you like don't know they're oranges. But that's up to the uh, up to the viewer. Uh, Valencia yeah, a little is, artistic license. Yeah. It, it, it's good that they're like off balance. Um, 
But Valencia is the Vino de Naranja, uh, finished bourbon from Penelope. Penelope, as you guys know, is from uh, New Jersey, uh, headed up by Michael and Danny. Uh, this is a sweet wine that's macerated in orange peels. It comes from Europe. They're taking those barrels once dumped, bringing them over to the U.S., putting their whiskey in it, and then bottling it at cast strength. Uh, maybe not. This is 97 proof. I Yeah. Okay. So they're taking a cast strength, diluting a little bit, releasing it 97 proof here. And then... uh. You know, part of the Cooper series, we're giving it a go. I've had a pour or two. I think you've had a bit more than me. We know that it's at least four years old and it's non-chill filtered, but I'm curious how the sweet wine does. Yeah, so I think this is one of the very few things that Penelope has done that is not at cask strength. I don't know why that is, actually. This is something that I've been meaning to talk to Mike Danny about and say, hey, what the hell? Give me a little bit more background on this. But I'm very excited to dig into this one. I've most certainly been zipping on this. I was thinking that I was, to be honest with you, full transparency, a little scared that this is going to be too sweet. This would be oh, yeah. overly done for me. And I love, I mean, not that I don't like sweet things. I mean, obviously, uh, as a dude who goes by uh, the bourbon finder, I like sweet liquor. But I like things that are sweet in the sense that there is nuance sweet and or layered flavors in there. Not that something that is necessarily like a maple finish or honey finish thing that is overtly sweet. So I was a little bit scared of this. And as I have gone through it, I found that like the orange character is really interesting in that it's present, but not overpowering to the point where um, the first time I noticed that I was almost like, is this really like bringing the orange layers into this or not. And I think as I go through it, it does like, it also kind of enhances this like mild nuttiness that's in the background of the blend. And I kind of like how there's like a little bit of an offset to it. So as we dig in a little bit and talk about flavor profiles, I'm excited to see what you think of this. Penelope is interesting. And I agree with you. I believe that their rosé is also not cast strength. I will have to check on that. I know we've covered it in the past. I think that there's a lot of merit to not always releasing finished stuff at cast strength because when you do, you have to bring in a lot more of that wine flavor, potentially. Right. Not always the case. You know, Starlight is a distillery. I think that's kind of killing it with the wine finishes, but they do a okay. very good job because they also know wine really well. Like they've been doing wine way longer than they've ever been doing whiskey. So that's kind of a different case study. Overall, it's interesting to see, you know, on one hand, I'm surprised that Penelope went for Vino de Naranja. On the other hand, I'm not. Like, the guys went and bought a winery so they could make more rosé to make more of their rosé cask to make more of their rosé bourbon, which they've had out for years now. So they were kind of on the forefront of these really unique finishes. Right. Even though they don't have a wide portfolio, you know, they don't have like 32 of these things like other producers do. But when when they find something they like they do it right, in my opinion. So hopefully uh, we see more of this. My first tastes are, are really positive. I like this a lot. I was drinking it actually a little bit. I did a first taste when I was talking about Wilderness Trail on Whiskey Raiders not too long ago, but it's cool to see him experiment. I do like it. It brings a lot of orange to it and not in the way like Dickel bourbon does, you know, that's unfinished where it's kind of like orange peel and minerality and slate and stuff. Like this is a very bold bourbon that has nice pangs of orange and like some rock candy and some nice um, 
not quite acidity, but it's very well balanced. Like it's it's sweet for a moment, then it's tart, then the bourbon comes back through. It's nice and oaky, despite the fact that, you know, they say it's at least four years. So there could be some older stuff in the blend. But I think that the way they're doing blending takes to these kind of wonky finishes and these sweet wines really well and that they don't get too sweet. I'm with you. Uh, okay, so if I was going to break this down just on the nose alone, while I did already mention that I feel like there's a subtle note of like a nuttiness to this, I think that mixes well with the oak. I think there's also a little bit of something that I draw from wild turkey expressions pretty frequently in that I would say it's a mild like toasted pecan note where other folks may call this pecan, which is just something I can't totally wrap my mind around. But if I start to really dissect this, I feel like I would describe this as something that has a definite orange background to it, but not like in an artificial orange way. I I would think like if you take a, what are the little oranges? Like a, not the mandarins, but like the ones that you get like Can't the halos. Like the halos? No, not, not clementines. The clementines. The little clementine orange, when you peel that sucker back and it's just the orange in your hand and none of the peel anymore, just the orange itself with a little bit of the flesh there, you have to break it into the segments there afterwards. I get like a little bit of that type of kick, like a little bit of that, like totally peeled clementine type of thing going on and not in like a sweet way and not in like a totally citrusy way either. And it works very well with the oak structure in this. And there's just like enough of a kiss of vanilla in the background that it really kind of rounds it out. It, it's extremely well-balanced. It's one of the more well-balanced wine-finished whiskeys I think I've ever had. And and honestly, at 97 proof, I think it's proofed really well. Like you can, yeah. you know, we talk about this more and more. And I think the older we get and the more whiskey we drink, you know, chasing the proof dragon isn't the end-all be-all. Um, because that means I really like this and I can have a second glass and tomorrow isn't ruined. You know, right. if you really enjoy that pour of that 140 proof thing, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're out of luck. That That's right. a lot totally. of ethanol, but at, at 97 proof, it can hold up in a cocktail. I tried this in various things. I haven't figured out where it works for me in, in cocktailing. I thought it'd be kind of fun because it does have that orange character. I was like, Ooh, we're two thirds of the way to, it's like an old fashioned, but I haven't made it work yet. Um, okay. I'll post that recipe when I do, but I, I think that DM. it's got the viscosity and, and it's got enough oak and body to it that I don't wish it was higher proof to feel more complex or more balanced. Like this is very well balanced as it is. That's fair. I think you, uh, you kind of kicked open a door that I hadn't even considered with the cocktail side of things. I'm almost thinking like gold rush or like Kentucky corpse survivor, like do one of these with a, honey syrup and lemon type of deal. Like that could totally be cool. I could see how that would work out in a way that's nice where you get a little bit more of that citrus kick to it. You, you're bringing in the higher proof, not like, you know, crazy barrels, right? And like you said, this also opens the door to having like maybe, we're talking like Thursday, Friday night here, people like maybe have three, <laughs> but yeah, like, I let's mean... not get wild, right? It, it's a huge difference between 97 proof and 130 proof. Those are big differences. And, and honestly, 
you know, some nights when we might set up a couple glasses and try a couple things, it's nice to know that the thing you enjoyed, you can go and be like, all right, this was my favorite. And now I can just have a pour of it while I watch TV or I finish the work day. And the tomorrow isn't going to be hell on earth because, you know, ethanol adds up quick, especially in these high proof cast strength. When I, I see dudes doing flights of like six cast strength bourbons and I'm like, oh, you're, oh boy, <laughs> that's a big have, deal. Have fun on Wednesday morning, asshole. Yeah, yeah, like it's not even hump day and tomorrow's going to hump you for sure cuz that's hump day. That's a lot. But yeah, I mean, to bring it back to the whiskey, I really you know, I was afraid it was going to be too sweet. I was afraid it was going to be too orangey. I think this does great. It has essence of orange which I think is really important. That tangerine note, that clementine note you pointed out is is really spot on. Uh, this is like bourbon with essence of orange. And I think that's a, a great way to kind of describe it because it's yeah. got the bourbon notes. It's got the orange notes. Neither overpower each other. And it's enjoyable enough and dry enough on the finish that it leaves me wanting to go back and, you know, have a have another sip or a whole nother pour. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think this is overall a, totally a positive. The price point on basically everything Penelope is doing actually is really good. They are spending so much time on the blending side of this and the research side of it and making sure that what they're doing is good. And in the few times that they're putting out something that isn't totally on par with what is amazing, the next time around, they're adjusting it for their, like, I mean, we've had these guys on our show before on Weekly Whiskey on YouTube, and they've said, like, flat out, when we started, we had no fucking clue what we were doing. Right. But we have grown <laughs> from there, and, like, we learn from our mistakes, and, like, they mean it. And I think that it kind of shows in this, like, this is a really kind of, like, cool product. It's balanced. It's unique. It's fun. I like, I have a hard time saying like, don't go buy one of these because even if it's not your cup of tea where you want to have one of these every like Tuesday night, you might think, holy shit, I tried this in XYZ cocktail and it was the coolest thing that's happened to it. I think you will find a spot on your bar for this bottle easily. I agree. And I like to reward innovation, not in like a let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks because clearly they don't do that, but they make educated guesses. And when a cool opportunity arises, they give it a go. And, you know, they admit like this could flop, but on paper we think it works. And we, we personally would like to see this product on the market. Like let's give it a go. And I, I think they're, they're getting closer and closer every single time into like, not what is a sure bet, but they've done Tokai, they've done VDN, they've done Rosé, like they know what they like and they're getting, quicker on the hits every time like you know now when they have a crazy idea i'm like yeah I, I bet that's definitely going to work because so far the track record for wine finishes for them has been excellent and yeah this one's a little more expensive but vdn casks are super expensive you know those vino dinaraja casks are not cheap so it kind of makes sense yeah absolutely all in all i'm a thumbs up on this one yeah i'm a thumbs up too i'm i'm this is honestly People think fruity things only work in the summer. I think this has enough oak and spice that this is perfect as the weather drops. It gets cooler. Like I said, I'm still perfecting my Valencia old-fashioned. I know I can get there. I haven't gotten there yet, but I live in Wisconsin. I have a bunch of old-fashions in front of me before the spring comes, so I look forward sure. to giving it a go. Um, overall, I'd say pick one up. Give it a go. And on that note, I mean, we have a big holiday coming up. We are recording this before the Thanksgiving holiday. I don't know about you, John. I know that there are a few drinks likewise in my future as the holiday comes up as well. Are you leaving home for Thanksgiving? Are you going someplace or are people coming to you? 
Were you on an island this year? I can't remember. Well, I mean, as tempting as on an island sounds, typically, so I am so blessed that I get to have Thanksgiving twice a year. And really? In a back-to-back fashion. Okay, wait. Sometimes three times a year, but we'll get to that in just a moment here. So typically what we do is we'll pack up the kids, my family, and we will go to my folks' place on Thanksgiving Day proper, and we will spend the day there. A lot of times we'll do uh, a hunt in the morning. Myself and the old man will go out and see if we can't uh, get into some critters. You shooting turkeys or? Uh, no, no, no. It's not turkey season at that point. Oh, it's just okay. uh, deer season. I or, wasn't sure if procrastin- like procrastination was at play there. Or um, That'd be awesome. <laughs> Uh, that would be awesome because I do love turkey hunting. But anyway, it's uh, still a small game season, so like uh, rough grouse and whatnot, mm. or as we call them, partridge, even though they're not technically partridge. Whatever, that doesn't matter. But uh, it's deer season. We That is usually one of the like one, two, or three times they go out per year looking for deer. Other than that, I spend most of my time trying to hunt birds. But uh, we will do some of that, which mostly involves going to breakfast, drinking some coffee, and then like maybe sitting in the woods for a little while, then going back to my folks' place and getting into, as you may well know by now, a little bit of champagne. Because, I mean, what's a holiday and or Friday and or any other day without a little bit of bubbles, right? So we will go down that path, spend the day cooking, hanging out, drinking. And then I like to try to pair something with Thanksgiving dinner, which I think we should probably tear into just a little bit after we hear more about your Thanksgiving side. But that's kind of where I'm at. And then the next day, we pop over to my in-laws. We do it all over again. So uh, I know some places get the uh, holiday itself and then the next day off work. I don't usually. So as it turns out, I usually go to work that next day and then come back and do a second feast which is just you know it's tough work but somebody's got to do it i i go and totally gorge again and get into some delicious wine sometimes champagne and then an after dinner cocktail and kind of ease right into the weekend where maybe maybe there's a little bit of whiskey involved just maybe what about you Wow. So one question for you before I get going. Oh, please. In the Midwest, you can hardly leave anything without a pile of leftovers, whether you're, you know, usually if you're just a guest, like you, you're you going home with leftovers or, yep. you know, people are upset about it. So if you host the day before and then you go, are you bringing home, do you have like turkey for 10 years after that? Or are you are you just Irish goodbye before the leftover tray comes out? Oh, no, no, no. So I'm t- I'm usually taking turkey two ways. Okay. <laughs> that should be a so, bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I immediately regret saying that. But on top of that, so a lot of times what we do is after dinner is like diving straight into things chucking into the stock pot, right? So it's whether we are putting the pot right on then or a little bit later, that's happening. Sometimes, and uh, WeatherTech floor mats have saved my life here. Sometimes the turkey stock is one of the things that comes home with me uh, the, the next day. And 
you know, depending on weather conditions and or driving, sometimes you spill some of that. And WeatherTech, yes, you do a great job in making floor mats that save you from having a gallon of smoked turkey stock in the floorboards of your vehicle. Anyway, uh, moving on, I would say that, yeah, uh, we totally take a pile of leftovers. And also, I am additionally blessed here in the Thanksgiving season to have my godparents who live close by and are very good in the kitchen and usually make their own special like leftover recipe that I will find dropped off at my folks place for me that I can swing by and pick up as well. So I get to like take things away from one place, like at my folks place, take that home with, I get to take stuff from my in-laws and bring that home. And then also my godparents deliver delicious treats as well. So I kind of like clean house on turkey season and I don't feel that bad about it. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right. Well, I know it for sure. We are calling this episode Turkey Three Ways by John Henderson. Hey, oh. Uh, your, your Thanksgiving sounds uh, not better, but way more eventful than mine. I, I'm a hoster. I'd love to have people over. No real surprise there. Um, we're a different, I don't know if it's Midwest different because I, I don't know if a lot of people do this. We like to smoke a turkey. So I'm, I'm out there early in the morning getting the smoker going uh, with a rotisserie, you know, throwing the coals on, getting the bird on. Typically, you know, people like to come up to Wisconsin. My wife's relatives, you know, and her family all live down in Chicago. Uh, they'll usually come on up. We've, we've gone down before, but, you know, after a year or two of smoked turkey and getting into the wine cellar, people... Uh, people seem to find their way up north, uh, which come is on fine back. with me. Yeah, yeah. People, you know, they uh, this year some folks kind of invited themselves back, which I'm flattered about. You know, happy to have them. So uh, this year we'll be hosting again, smoking the bird. I haven't picked out all of the wine yet. I don't know. I like wine with food. I like whiskey after. That's kind of the yeah. way I work. I definitely drink whiskey while I cook the bird. But I've just never been a guy to pair a glass of whiskey like with a meal. It seems like either the whiskey overpowers the meal or the meal overpowers the whiskey. It's kind of tricky. Um, that said, you know, I like an old fashioned with the appetizer or drink some whiskey with bread or whatever. But that's kind of the play for us this year. See if the uh, if the dog's going to get some turkey. That's one of her favorites. But, you know, I, I think we'll be uh, it'll be a full house this year. I think every seat will be occupied. The wine will be flowing. But. I am curious what you got any uh, uh any whiskey you're looking forward to this Thanksgiving? I do. But before I touch on that, you have piqued my curiosity here. So when you talk about smoking a bird, let's talk about real quick. I don't want to like dive too deep down a cooking rabbit hole, but I want to hear a little bit about what is the standard weather in Wisconsin for Turkey Day. And what this smoker apparatus is like. Are you using an electric? Are you smoking over charcoal? Like, let's talk just a little bit about that because I have some turkey smoking woes, even from like 
what should be the dog days of summer here where it's like 45 degrees and raining and it takes 16 hours to smoke a bird. So please tell Whoa. me how you are timing this and what's going on with your bird. Oh, dude. Yeah. Okay. So first off, if you guys like me, drop us, drop us a comment and let us know. We, we don't talk about it often, but it is a big passion of mine. I'm not like one of those aggressive smoker guys that's like, oh, down with Traeger. Like, you know, I, you know, I, I don't have a bumper sticker for my girl, but I, I just use a Weber. I want to say it's the 22 inch kettle and I have the rotisserie attachment, which adds like a nice little saucy belt in the middle. It's got the rotisserie the belt. Yeah, you know, saucy little stripe there. Um, and then, you know, basically, I'm usually done with the turkey. I'll put it on, I'm trying to think. It doesn't take as long as you'd think. I'll put it on probably nine, nine-ish in the morning, and it's done by what three What size bird four. are we talking? I'm trying to remember, probably like 13, 12, 14. 14. Okay, yeah. yeah so you know, like your standard turkey, 12 to 14. Yeah, I'd say in the middle. You know, okay. it's no, this, this bird has won no awards at a state fair and no one has looked at it and said, oh, you know, it's a chicken. Um, wow. But, you know, I'd, so I'd say a normal turkey, uh, I like to give it the, you know, I'll brine it for a while, then dry it off, give it, uh, give it the old rub, give it some butter and then toss it right on. I like to, you know, start some charcoal, pile it on both sides of the inside of the kettle and then just let it, let it spin its way to glory. And it's usually done sooner than i expect by about half an hour hmm. i'm always trying to get that thing off by about you know four maybe 345 and it seems like about three o'clock the bird's ready to go yeah okay all right I, I dig that you are most certainly doing better than my like standard old-fashioned like coleman r2d2 style charcoal smoker oh you're like little the old smoky thing or uh-huh exactly <laughs> one of those beasts and that's like when you hit that right, it's not unbeatable, but it is exceptional. Damn good, I bet, yeah. Damn good, right. Great way to put it. But, I mean, if you're trying to do, like, I put it this way, I would never put that amount of pressure on Thanksgiving dinner because we, we try to time it around, like, between 2 and 3 in the afternoon. So we're doing, like, a late lunch, early dinner, very yeah. early dinner, because we want to have time to, like, hang out, have some rare breed afterwards, relax, watch Jeremiah Johnson, maybe go for a walk, whatever it is, like run the kids around, things like that. So where we're at is a little bit earlier in the day. And I mean, unless you're putting that motherfucker in at midnight. That's not a, happening. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because I mean, frequently, like there's been years not that far in the past here where we've had like 16 inches of snow the night before Thanksgiving and coming into it. And like I go to hunt with my old man and I mean, shit, by 9.30, like, I'm hitting him on the radio, like, uh, are you sweating? Because I'm dying walking through all this. Like, right. I just had an owl almost rip my face off. I'm ready to go home. Like, let's go drink some champagne. So there are most certainly some weather fiascos that happen around Thanksgiving here in Maine. Anyhow, I mean, we had snow today as we record this. And I'm feeling like maybe smoked turkey is not on the horizon though we have got away with it in the past, like using an electric smoker, not quite the same, but I think maybe we just go with the oven this time. Uh, probably the biggest bird I've done is one that we raised here, actually, in my place. We raised our own Thanksgiving turkeys, and the biggest of the lot was 42 pounds on the table. So a pretty good-sized bird, you could say. 
that's a that's a state fair bird for sure. That's uh yeah, that's a could feed a few folks type of bird. It was great. It was cool to raise our own birds, get to know where your food comes from and all that. Like it was cool, fun experience. Um, what I learned from all of that more than anything is that turkeys are fucking stupid. And super nice birds, but extremely dumb. Oh man, dumb as they come. So dumb. But also, I ordered them early enough in the season that we got to get turkey eggs and I could make omelets from turkey eggs. One turkey egg makes a whole omelet if you were curious about that. I've never had turkey egg. It, honestly, I don't think if I served up an omelet to you with a turkey egg, you would think it was any different than a chicken egg. It tastes the oh, okay. same. That was going to be Duck, the next question. Yeah. Duck eggs, I feel like, are mildly different, a little yeah, bit darker. Are, they have like a richness to yeah. them. A little yeah. bit darker, a little bit richer. Uh, but like not a wildly different flavored. But the turkey eggs, one kind of does it for you. Uh, uh, oftentimes two or three yolks per egg, which is wild to me. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, a one egg omelet sort of deal. Moving into the whiskey side of things. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from weird turkey eggs. From deep tangents. Topic. Back on, yeah, yeah. Right back on topic here. Talking about actual whiskey for once uh one thing that i really like to do is and like this is kind of no it's not even kind of it's actually very stupid is i like to have a bottle of wild turkey 101 mixed in with the centerpiece on the table like so the dinner table at my folks place is usually like all set up beautifully like during the day and mm -hmm. then obviously like right before dinner you like you kind of clear space so you could like put all of your put different, food on it yeah yeah put all of your different dishes on the table throughout the day but or throw the dinner rather. But the uh, centerpiece during the day usually has like all of your like traditional like you know pilgrims and like wh whatnot on the table. And I really like to find a way to like feather in a bottle of Wild Turkey One Hundred and One. So that's kind of like something that I feel like should just be in there just because it says Wild Turkey. Uh, I mean, like while I do really enjoy Wild Turkey One Hundred and One, I feel like there are plenty of other things that could also fit in there just as beautifully, but. For the sake of what it is, I usually uh, wedge that one in there. Is there one that you try to fit in during the day at all? Like, is there anything or is it just kind of like whatever grabs your fancy in the moment? Yeah, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are, you know, and, and this probably comes from my years of, of kind of running stuff on Reddit and people are like, oh, it's Turkey Day. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter that we just celebrated 101 day on October 1st. Yeah, October 1st, you know like a couple months ago and then on January 10th because we have to do that too. Of course. Um, I, I haven't ever been as loyal to Wild Turkey on Thanksgiving just because I kind of go with where the mood takes me. If it's cold and snowing like it was last year, I drank this really old Glen Goyne that I thought was fun. It was the Glen Goyne 18. It's like 140 bucks and you can buy it everywhere and I think it's awesome. Uh, on warmer years, like a couple of years ago, it was like 50 degrees. Yeah, I was oh. having like a nice rye pour, something sprightly yep. and fruity and kind of zesty and fun. This year, it looks like the jury could be out. Of, it, it could be like 10 degrees if the weather is, is you know, living up. So I might do something like a Booker's, uh, you know, if I'm or if I'm trying not to get like toasted by by noon, you know, probably look into one of those nice older kind of more elegant scotches that are well composed, but lower ABV. I don't know. I kind of wake up and I'll see where things are going. You know, if I'm I'm looking for something rich or something savory or something hot and spicy and something interesting, I'm uh, you know, it's very hippy dippy of me, but I kind of I kind of go where the mood takes me. Okay, 
So I like that. And I could totally get on board with that. Very much weather dependent. And I keep uh, a number of bottles at my folks place just for that exact scenario. And that could range anywhere from like barrels, dovetail into like Oh, Blayton's yeah. into like, I think I've even got something as basic as Jameson there because you never know when you need some Jameson, especially in New England. I mean, I realize that may not be uh when it works, it works, man. Widely acceptable, but that is uh, a thing <laughs> that happens frequently here. So there's a number of things that are on deck there, including cognac too. So when we kind of like balance back and forth between, is it too warm for that or too cold for this? I get you. I see where you're coming from. I'm also in the opinion of champagne. Yeah, I mean, and, champagne's a must. Right. You gotta have bubbles. For sure. Of course. Champagne or a couple of beers throughout the day while you're cooking. I get that. Like, you don't want to drink a half bottle of Booker's and then try to put Thanksgiving dinner on the table for everybody. Because, like, I we've mean, all guess. been to that Thanksgiving right, with that right. one uncle, and no one wants to have that. You don't want to end up being that uncle, even though I am called Uncle Whistlepig in circles here. But like, we don't need, <laughs> I've never hosted a Thanksgiving or Christmas quite like that, but I I could probably do it if I tried or didn't try or like, or whatever the equivalent is of keeping things in control. So yeah, absolutely. Like champagne and beers during the day, have a couple of cool pours here and there. I'm on board with all of that. But like, what's your after thing like everybody's had probably a little bit too much to eat maybe a lot too much to eat what are you going to after like what's your dessert and then what's your pairing with dessert or like your after dessert drink like what's that après type of cocktail for you and or sip oh yeah okay so yeah to put it in perspective yeah i'm kind of like a marathon not a sprint guy you know i love some champagne champagne of beers have a miller here and there you know the goal is to make it a bedtime good food first good time second but if you think about thanksgiving in a midwestern light like you have just spent the entire day building the best base that people will have all year round Mm. like There is no better culinary base for a good drink than like eating for three hours and most of it is protein and carbs. Like you are ready to go. Um, So last year, I'm trying to think, last year I did Old Fashions with Knob Creek Single Barrel Reserve, which I thought was killer. I think that this year um, I'm going to do Manhattans. I'm going to pick like a barrel-proof rye. I think in, uh, we just... I guess technically it's not barrel proof. I just wrapped up a selection of a Sagamore rye. It's seven years old. It's 55% ABV. So it's between that, you know, proof to lower proof, but it's not going to rip your face off. Right. It's got enough of that oak and malt that I think it's going to be perfect for just some like nice, really dark, rich, savory Manhattans. And for folks that want to neat pour, I think Baker's is going to be where I'm going to go this year. Kind of, you know, that 107 proof again is, is strong. Money. But not too strong. Plenty of tannin. So I think those are going to be like, my kind of theme for after dinner this year is big and bold, lots of flavor, and try and take it two different directions. We're going to have, you know, like a rich, herbal, dark, blackberry forward Manhattan, and then we're going to lean into that beam funk with bakers and, and kind of, you know, uh, we'll see we'll see where we go from there. But those are the two things that I know I'm already looking forward to, which is funny because I haven't figured out half the sides, but I already know what we're drinking after dinner. <laughs> That's great, actually. I love that that is where you're thinking. I love that you've got the game plan too. And even like a little bit based on weather, 
is a really good way to look at this where like between this week and next things could shift enough that it gets a little bit spicy uh, by the time this rolls out it might actually be right on thanksgiving time so i'm very excited to hear from the audience what folks are going to be getting into what their thanksgiving pour is what the after dinner pour is and or cocktail and for me i kind of feel like after dinner i don't know what it is like it, it might be the french heritage in me but like there's something about once dinner is done and dusted the plates are cleared we've done at least a respectable job of cleaning up and migrating to couches and or chairs all I kind of want to do is grab a big fat snifter with a couple ounces of brandy in it and just like sit that in my palm and let that thing slowly warm as I sip and sniff and just like kind of work my way through a little bit of brandy, whether it be cognac, cognac, whatnot. Like I just kind of want to get into that. It's sort of like it pops out my mind, I, like in the way that like a, a chocolate cake or something like that kind of does like. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. dessert? I want this. Right. So I kind of get this like, ah, oh, geez, I don't actually want to eat anything else because I've been eating for a couple hours and I feel like I have thoroughly gorged myself. But maybe I could fit just a tad of liquid in here. Let's go with brandy. So like that's kind of my after dinner sip. The the old apres for me is kind of the uh the brandy usually. I think that's where I'm at. And Sometimes when I'm feeling real spicy, it may move into like a finished whiskey or something that kind of like will cap off like a lot. I mean, like a lot of times it's pies and things like that at Thanksgiving. Like, I, and like, I fucking hate pumpkin pie. I hate pumpkin everything. I think pumpkin sucks. <laughs> I and, knew like, that. I'm surprised we were 35 we, minutes into this episode we made it without this hearing far. a single word about pumpkin. <laughs> we made it this far without me bitching about pumpkin. Like, and, and to those of you who like pumpkin, that's fine. I get it. Like flavor is subjective. You're wrong. And I fucking hate you, but like <laughs> pumpkin sucks. And I, I would rather throw up clamshells than eat a fucking pumpkin pie. But that said, there are plenty of pies out there and most of them suck. So like, let's just get some cognac and everybody hang out. I dig it. I, I like that you pointed out, you know, even when you're stuffed, we know there's a little air in there. There's room for some liquid. That's a good uh that's a good approach. I do picture you, not gonna lie, in like some big ass slippers and like a smoking jacket, just like in this armchair. I know Basil's like parked Basil's his dog, by the way. Basil's Basil parked, is like, my dog. She's she very right next to the fire. very rarely parks it, but okay. <laughs> well, I mean, we're dreaming. We're, we're you know, yeah, we're, we're we're dreaming. This, before I'm Thanksgiving, nothing has gone wrong because we're only looking to the future. You know, uh -huh. we can dream. Fair. We can dream. But no, I love it. Cognac, really nice, especially as it, as it gets cold. I think it's going to be cold as hell here, hopefully sunny. But it's winter now, which means the sun goes away at 4 p.m. Anyways, I'm ready to embrace the darkness, the cold, a rich, savory cocktail, um, and some pecan pie. I think that's where, I think a nice Manhattan pecan pie or like a, like a chocolate kind of, I forget what it's called, chocolate tart maybe. Perfect. Mm. Okay. I'm not big on pumpkin myself. No, pumpkin sucks. Of course you're not big on pumpkin. I mean, it makes sense that you, like a person who knows what tastes good, doesn't <laughs> like pumpkin. This is going to be uh, the zestiest comment section <laughs> ever. 
<laughs> feel free. We're the only two people who don't like pumpkin. Feel free to absolutely wreck us in the comments for this. Like, it's fine. I get it. It's cool if you're wrong. It's cool if you think pumpkin is good. You're totally, totally awful. But it's great as long as everybody has what they want. And like a chocolate pie, a chocolate cream pie, whether it's a chocolate tort or any of the other things listed above, like these are all good options. As long as you're pairing them up with a delicious spirit and having a good time and enjoying yourself. Yeah. And I guess I should say, I don't hate pumpkin, but in a, in a, in a world where your life is short and there are so many other pies to have, it's hard for me to prioritize it over things I like better. And I've had some amazing pies in recent years and pumpkins, uh, in in the middle middle at the bottom maybe maybe we'll do a short on just like tier ranking the different pies but i don't know i get wow pecan all the way uh, i mean in that same short i feel like i would mention that life is the longest thing you'll ever do and why would you waste that time <laughs> having pumpkin but anyway i love it well th this has been fun <laughs> it it seems like this is a good place before we're just completely removed from the air on episode two um for crimes against pumpkins but uh, this has been a great episode. Thank you guys for joining us. And obviously the holidays are coming up. We would love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, if you have strong feelings regarding, uh, regarding, damn Freudian damn. slip right there regarding pumpkins, gourds, or otherwise, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. If you had a great meal, if you had an excellent cocktail pairing, or you just had a whiskey you thought worked great, we would also love to hear about that as well. You know, John and I, we try one or two things every year. Life is short. Like we said, we can't try them all. So we would love to know what you try as well. Um, as always, this is the Whiskey Raiders podcast brought to you by WhiskeyRaiders.com. Uh, John, thank you for joining me as always, brother. Great co-host. John is John Henderson of TheBourbonFinder.com. You can find him at Instagram at TheBourbonFinder. Shocking. And at TheBourbonFinder.com. Lots of good coverage coming up. We promise we will go deep in the whiskey in the coming weeks, but it was kind of fun to sit back, kick back, talk some whiskey. I'm looking forward to this turkey. And as always, I'm Take from WhiskeyRaiders.com. So thank you guys. John, I hope you you get your wish. There's no pumpkin, lots of leftovers, and a good Not. cocktail, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, we will see you guys next week for the next episode. Thanks for joining us. And until then, be safe, have a great holiday, and we are thankful for every one of you. Catch you guys. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>